0: Coming up on Total Access, The Locker Room. Did we fight a lot? Of course. That's that's just the way, you know, a so-called marriage would go. Welcome to NFL Total Access, The Locker Room. I'm Brian Billick, and I'm typically joined by Michael Robinson, but he can't be here today, which is a shame, because I know how much he likes the Bills and the Bills Mafia. Today, I'm going to be talking to Hall of Fame wide receiver Andre Reid. Let's bring Hall of Famer... Andre Reed into the conversation, and on these TA locker room podcast. It's like we said, it's the locker room. And Everybody we have on has to start with a locker room story, and this isn't—you yeah. uh, know—we're not on the broadcast right now. This is this is podcast, oh, yeah. so you can kind of give us the uh, you can give us the real raw story you, with that group you had. There had to be some good locker room stories. Oh my gosh, uh,
1: too many to too many to talk about. One one of the and I was the I was the guy that didn't I didn't have. You know, I didn't jump in. You know, you had Thurman and him and Bruce and Daryl and uh, Cornelius. You had guys that were more vocal than I was, and every team has their vocal leaders. You know, one of my favorite stories, and, again, we had a cast of characters. And yeah. I know you you know more. We, uh, we, we, <laughs> we had some doozies, man. And I think we weren't uptight many a times during games or even during practice. Uh, But once we stepped in the locker room again, we felt like it was our place not only to be ourselves, but to let things hang out and talk about whatever. And one particular time, um, you know, you have each individual position has their corners in the locker room. And the linemen to me are probably the dirtiest guys (laughs) on the team.
0: Figuratively, right? You didn't, you don't mean literally, right? Figuratively. Yes. And our center, Ken Hole, this is before practice,
1: and I would always invite her and say, you guys need to clean out your lockers, man. It could be something in there hiding, man. You never know. You might find something in there that you've been looking for for about 10 years. You don't know what's in there. And the minute I said that, I go over to my locker, and we face them the other side. He starts cleaning out his locker. He's looking for some shoes, and that's all you see in there is just shoes. And he's digging in it, digging in it, digging it, gets to the bottom, pulls out a shoe, and sit it down, and a rat
0: came oh. out of his shoe.
1: Oh ran my across God. the locker room, locker room cleared. You never saw so many guys, especially 315, 330-pound guys run so fast out of the locker room, and Marv came. Marv was trying to figure out what was going on. What happened here? There's a rat in there. We ain't going in there until that rat is gone.
0: <laughs> that sounds that sounds like Marv. I remember so we the uh... whole year. Yeah. So the rest of the year, we kept
1: kept getting on these guys. First of all, we didn't see where that rat went, so he could be in somebody else's
0: locker, <laughs> in somebody else's shoe. So that was pretty funny, man. You had obviously phenomenal teams and and a really veteran group. I remember you. You may not remember this. We played you. I was in Minnesota, and we played you in Germany, and in a preseason game. That's- that's right. Yeah. Right. And we got, we, it's a long flight and we get in and, and we had a kind of a joint over there by the Olympic stadium and we had kind of a picnic type thing. And then we were going to go practice. Yeah. And so we're getting to go practice. And Marv goes, Women, you, you each other, yeah. Well, no, no, not this. This was before we just going to practice on our own. Cause we had just gotten in and Marv looks over and he goes, what are you guys doing? Oh, okay. We're going okay. over to practice. Oh, yeah. And Marv McGar goes, Oh, I couldn't get my guys to practice. <laughs> Well, Mark, you're the head coach. So you're supposed, they're supposed to do whatever you say. Go, no, I wouldn't even try to get them to practice right now. That was a long flight. So I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. I like it when the veterans are in charge like that. You guys had earned it. Yeah. Well, well Andre, Great times, man. Great times. Obviously, the, the, the thing that that stands out for me, obviously, I mean, just the four straight Super Bowls. never been done before. And obviously, the outcomes yeah. you guys would have wished right. for something. Talk about that run. Talk about those teams. And, and how you guys kept that bit in your mouth for four straight years that you got back to four straight Super Bowls. Talk about that team. You know,
1: Coach, um, you, you said a word in that, that sentence in team. Kind of the concept and the aspect of what team means in sports has kind of dwindled a little bit because we're so individualized now about ourselves, what, what social media does. And I put this on social media, and I'm out here, and I do this, and all that kind of thing. There's so many different influences now than there was back in 19. You know, when I came in, you were just happy to get in. That's the bottom line. Um, and I think our head coach, Marblee, he wasn't the kind of guy that was going to get in your face about a lot of things. And he let you be a man. And I think that has left sports is letting guys be a man. Cause you have to different things out. You gotta like some of them, you gotta treat them like kids. And if everybody's on the same page and everybody has the same goal and you all are working towards that goal, there's no doubt about it that you're going to win. You're going to lose some, but you're going to win more. And I think that's really the philosophy that Marv had as a coach. They led by example, and I think that's why we went to four straight because we led by example and guys did not want to leave that kind of you know excellence and that kind of you know we didn't again we didn't win a Super Bowl, but there's seven hall of famers from that football team.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, the time I said Minnesota, of course, Minnesota is a team that that had a lot of went to a lot of super bowls to not win one. And I know how that, that drained on the community, that drained on those teams, even though, you know, it's spread out over a, a, a yeah. longer period of time. Um, uh, and, and I don't want to dwell on the negative, but, mm. but how did you guys deal with that? And was there one more painful than another? Um, you know, obviously you go through a season, it's, it's, it's a grind, you know,
1: training camp is not like it used to be. Uh, you beat on each other a little bit more uh, back in the day when we played than, than they do now. Uh, and you go through a season and your main goal is Marvel always started off as meeting, we went division first and then we win the AFC championship and then we win the Super Bowl. That was kind of how you, you dealt with things. And I think, um, you know, those teams were, you know, just resilient teams. We bought into his philosophy. And, uh, you know, how we did it every year, as the years go on, we get more and more credit for doing that four years in a row. And, and they played a comeback game every playoff game. And there's all kinds of things. And, people, and every pe- a lot of people that I meet, coaches in high school and college coaches, that's really the meat and potatoes of what, you know, my career was about was yeah. about not only those four years, but the way Buffalo played uh, in the NFL those, those uh, you know, those
0: years. You know, you, the, obviously, like like all great passing offenses, and, and when you get the numbers that you created, you and Jim Kelly obviously had to have a special relationship, kind of a, a sixth sense about right. you know, what the other guy was thinking. Jim Kelly, one of the toughest quarterbacks that we've ever seen in this league. Talk about that relationship and talk about were there any particular yeah. moments where you and Jim, you, you were kind of like, God, I, don't, I can't believe we did that, or damn, Jim, I don't believe you, you could still get up from that. One thing about
1: Jim that I really kind of separate him from other quarterbacks, he always had a sense that no matter what the circumstance was, if we were winning or we losing, he was the same to a certain point every time. When he stepped under center, he came in a huddle, this is what you got. And you had to respect that. And I respected him. Did we fight a lot, of course. That's that's just the way, you know, a so-called marriage would go.
0: I've got to ask, you know, obviously, it's such an honor uh, to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, It took a while Mm -hmm. and the game has changed. I mean, you had 90 receptions in 94, but now we got guys catching 100, 120. I mean, the game is different and the ability to put up these huge numbers. Talk a little bit about as you were waiting for this to happen and you're seeing how the game is changing and players are getting more opportunities, what your mindset was waiting for this call from the Hall of Fame? It was difficult at the time. I think, uh, you know, my last two years in the
1: league is when I started getting all this Hall of Fame talk. And I, you know, I really didn't start thinking until, you know, when I got, um, you know, eligible five years later. Um, obviously I was on the ballot and your friends and everybody else is like, yeah, man, this is you, you're going in first ballot. You're doing this, doing that. Well, that didn't happen. And then the next year it didn't happen. You know, I was in the finals and I said to myself, maybe, maybe it isn't supposed to, maybe it wasn't meant to be. And talking to John Randall and guys like Willie Lanier, who had been in, been there forever, they just kept me said, patience, man, be patient. Patience is a virtue, and, and a lot of us don't have that. Then I saw Bruce and Thurman, Jim, uh, Marv. I went to their ceremonies in Canton uh, years before, and really, uh, you know, got a great push from th- those guys. Your football life just flashed before your face in like a half a second. And uh, you know what an honor uh, when I got inducted to go to the Merlin Olsen luncheon and see a hundred Hall of Famers, gold jackets, Jim Brown some of the greats of the game, and I'm sitting in that room with them. And you're not allowed to talk. That's one thing you can't do. You can't talk in that room. As a 17-year-old kid, if they had a list of things that this was going to happen to me and this was going to happen, that one would never be on it. That, that's the magnitude of really what that meant to me.
0: Yeah, just great perspective. Really appreciate the stories, Andre. That'll do it for this episode of Total Access the Locker Room. For more insight with a locker room point of view, check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses.